Welcome to the Move Well Radio Podcast, where we discuss all things related to health and wellness. We dispel common myths and misconceptions regarding healthcare, and we do it in a way that you can actually understand. And it's hosted by yours truly, Dr. Roger St. Ange, doctor of physical therapy, founder of Move Athletics Physical Therapy and Performance. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Move Well uh, Radio Podcast. Today, we have uh, owner of Romeo Athletics down in Enfield, Andrew Romeo, on. So thanks for coming on, man. Thank you very much for having me, Roger. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to come on your show. Yeah. I mean, we uh, we just sat here chatting for 40 minutes before we started this. So yeah. We got plenty to talk about. We do. I mean, it's always great to talk to another small business owner in a, a very similar field and See what's going on, right? Yeah, especially someone that uh, cares a lot about quality control, and that's like kind of their focus because that's what we do a lot of here too, you know. So, um, I guess we should start off with just finding out a little bit more about you. Like, how did sure. you end up in the fitness world in general? Sure. Um, so, I've been in the fitness world coaching space since I was 18 years old. I was a really competitive athlete at that age. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to a Division One school for cross-country skiing. I decided not to go to Division One school. I went to Springfield College instead to play baseball. Um, but what I did is I went back and coached the local high school team. So at 18, I got my first taste of like what coaching looks like. What is this? What does this do? Um, and at Springfield College, if you've ever been there, it's a pretty jockish school where it's a lot of sports-oriented people. Um, and it just drove you kind of down that path of how do you integrate the lessons that you learn from the sports you play into your life and then bring that out into the fitness field. And uh, when, I, when I got out of school, I had to kind of weigh out what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Um, and I, I took a job. I, I did uh, landscape construction for a while while I was trying to figure it out. Yep. But my, my first – I did, and I also did personal training at a Globo gym while I was trying to figure it out too. So I was doing both of them. <laughs> and uh, that drove me into corporate fitness. And that's where my, um, my first real job was corporate fitness. What did you tell me earlier? Was that uh, not UMass? Mass Mutual. Yes. That's yep. what I was so is that all Mass I could think Mutual? Of was UMass. And I was like, that's yeah. not right. <laughs> so Mass Mutual. So tell me, tell me how like that, that all played out. Yeah. So I worked for a company. It was called MediFit, and we were contractors that worked at both locations at for Mass Mutual, one on State Street and one in uh, Enfield off Exit Forty Nine. I think it's called Bright Meadow Boulevard. Um, it just got that building just was recently bought by Empower Retirement, so you can see it right on Ninety One as you drive by. Yeah. That's where I used to report to work. Um, and it was my first real taste of what working in a gym was like. So they're like, hey, you need to be here at 4.30 in the morning. We're going to pay you no dollars an hour, and you're going to work 60 hours a week. And I was like, this is great. This is great. I love it. I can work all the time. I can shower here. They have cafeterias. I can eat here. I can work out when when I'm not booked with someone or scheduled. This is amazing. And I I was 22, 23. At the time, I was getting frustrated with, again, how much I was working. But at the same point, it was a great opportunity to get into the field and start getting an idea of, like, if you want to be successful in the fitness field, you should be prepared to hustle a little bit. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Everybody eats shit, I think, a little bit in the beginning, at least. Like, 100%. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. And, it, and I guess it's not just in the beginning. It's all along the way, <laughs> I right? I was just going to say that. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, a, it's definitely not the uh, the easiest um, field to be in. Yeah. Uh, just like financially. Like, period. Yep. It's difficult to make a good living in the fitness room. A lot of people that are young, right? Like yeah. Yourself, they're like, oh, this is great. This is fun. Like, oh. A little workout, and then you're in it for a few years, and like, okay, like, yeah, <laughs> it, it really it's, it's eye opening because everyone, um, 
This is saying everyone likes to count your money for you, right? Because if you own a business, Roger, you must be rich. Oh my god! Oh yeah, that's that's definitely true. That's that's That's, accurate. You know, if I have a bad month, like uh, my employees are getting paid, but I'm not. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's that's happened to me. Uh, So, Romeo Athletics, we've been around. The time span that I was talking about um, working in Mass Mutual was 2007, 2008, and I I started the foundations, the the thought of Romeo Athletics while I was there. Yeah. Um. And and to your point, over the last twelve years, thirteen years since I started that, there's been plenty of months where I was like, "Well, it's good that we did well last month because this month I'm <laughs> eating a shit sandwich and uh, we're going to pay myself from that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, uh, you know, moving on from the from the corporate world, tell us like, how did you end up? Uh, with your own kind of standalone gym, like I don't know, but guess what was your goals with that too? Sure. Um, so getting into it at Mass Mutual every day when I went in, so I found CrossFit while I was there. Great opportunity, and they actually reimbursed half of my level one. So I had kind of nice. an eight mile moment where at the time my my wife now at the time she was my girlfriend. I was sitting on her bed at her parents' house, being like, "Man, there's this CrossFit thing." Cost a thousand bucks. I only got to pay five hundred of it though, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this is a good choice. Like, is this is this a good use of my five hundred bucks? I don't have two nickels to rub together. I don't know what to do with this. And I, I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out there. They pay for half of it. This seems like a really cool community. And at that point, I was consuming every piece, every article that the CrossFit Journal was producing, every video, anything that they put out, I was consuming. Um, so that was my first step into that realm. And what I did with that is every morning when I went to Mass Mutual, I had a group of people that I was buddies with there. Um, and I would send them out an email every morning. Hey, guys, this is our workout. This is what my plan is for the day. This is when I'm working out if you want to work out with me. Um, and if you don't want to work out with me, that's cool. I'll come out and help you when, when you're in the gym. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I started the idea of doing my own thing and coordinating people and what's this look like. But at that point, it was just more of like fist bumps, high fives, and let's go do Murph on a treadmill and a cable crossover machine. <laughs> you know, that was what it was. That sounds terrible, by the way. It was. And my first Murph I ever did was on a treadmill. I did my pull-ups on a cable crossover machine. The thing's rocking everywhere because yeah. you're doing your pull-ups. And um, finished it on a, on a treadmill inside in the basement of Mass Mutual on State Street, laying on the ground dying. <laughs> Um, not in a CrossFit micro gym setting at all, yeah. but that's kind of where that the gear started turning for me that, hey, I've already worked in a Globo gym being a personal trainer, and it was every half an hour, here's a new client, rip through them, just go through them, go through people. You don't get to know the clients. They're not long-standing clients. It's nothing. There's no quality control behind that, um, which which I didn't like. So I moved into the corporate setting, which was like, this is fine. I'm running some group exercise classes. I'm helping some people on the floor. But this thing I'm doing with this group of people every day, this seems pretty fucking awesome. And I think I think there's something to this. And that's kind of where that spark started for me. Okay. So then I guess what was like the uh, the catalyst for you to leave and and start like, hey, I'm leasing a place and we're gonna yep. go we're gonna go make this thing happen because yeah. that's not that's not an easy decision to make. No, it's not an easy decision to make at all. And I actually, I took uh, some really small steps along the way. So at that point of time in my life, I was getting engaged. So I got engaged to my now wife and she was a high school English teacher. So I was like, hey, I have a solid paycheck. Again, I was getting paid $0 an hour from <laughs> corporate fitness, but you have a paycheck being a teacher. Why don't we buy a house? So we started looking into homes and we were able to get a house in Enfield, Connecticut that had a one teeny tiny small little garage gym. Uh, and honestly, when I say teeny tiny, like you couldn't fit a Mini Cooper in this thing. Like I had a weightlifting platform that I cut off five inches to make it fit on one side. Like <laughs> nothing, right? Um, 
And I saved up some money along along the way, and I had one barbell with a set of weights. I built my own boxes. I put a set of rings up. I got a tire, and I started out of my house. Um, and this was 2009, October-ish of 2009, where I was like, all right, cool. We're going to do this thing out of my house. Um, I'm going to do it in the morning. I'm going to have people come before I go to work. The days – and it's is interesting because you look at it now from a business, right? I didn't have a set schedule. I was like, hey, guys, Monday I don't have to be to work till 8 so we can have 6 o'clock class. But on Tuesday I have to be to work for 5 so we can't have classes till the afternoon. Are you guys good with that? Yeah. And people were. People were accommodating. Um, some people that you'd probably know that started with me then. Um, Hatch. Hatchy was oh, wow. one of my first ever garage gym members. Um, and everybody that was part of the gym at that point, I still – keep track of. You still got an idea of where they're at in life and you hope that they're doing really, really great. I was doing that in the mornings and evenings and I was working all day at Mass Mutual during the day. And I That's did, awesome. Dude, it was it was <laughs> the hustle, like, dude. Yeah. It was the hustle. Oh man. Yeah, no, that's I mean that's that's fantastic. And that's like that's how a lot of CrossFit type gyms started. It was like a thing back then, right? Yep. It was like before it blew up. Um, and then it's kind of died down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And know, that was but. the era of you're going to make your own boxes and you're going to fabricate some shit and you're going to have sandbags that are from Home Depot that you wrap garbage bags around in duct tape. And this is your 50-pound sandbag. There's no fancy handles on this thing. It was um, a lot dirtier, a lot grittier, <laughs> but um, it was really real. You know, it was a really – it was, and there was, there was no business behind it. There was no, there was no business systems, standard operating procedures. It was, yeah. it was me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, – gyms out there in in the crossfit or crossfit type space that are still kind of the same way they sure. don't have they're not really what you might define as a business it's yep. really just someone that has a gym that just doesn't want to pay for gym membership and that's you know? awesome man. yeah i think um i think over the last two years we've seen a lot more home gyms come about which yep. is which is great with covid and stuff like that if you get your hands on equipment more power to you <laughs> um and if, if you're a small micro gym out there that uh, that's operating out of a garage, and you're, you're you're trying to get bigger. My only advice is reach out to a business mentor and get some get some guidance on how to oh, scale it up. Sure. Don't don't uh, walk that path alone. Yeah, yeah, it's really easy to make. Why would you make a bunch of mistakes that somebody else has already made? And they can 100% guide you on not to make them. Because yeah. I, I I can speak from experience. I made a lot of them. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were just telling me that you uh, you were just figuring business out for I mean, what over over a decade yep. by yourself. Yep. Um, before you kind of jumped in with two feet and into some coaching, and it makes a world of difference. Just it does. like it really ha- does. Instead of trying to figure things out, just having systems that people already know work, and being able to give people a really good experience. One hundred percent, man, absolutely, and give you. It's almost like uh, the cheat codes to a Nintendo game. Do you want to go through the Nintendo game and keep failing on level five? And it's it's Mario <laughs> Brothers on the original Nintendo where it sends you back to the beginning and you don't even get to save your progress? Yeah. Or do you want to have all the cheat codes? And you can skip to level 12 right away and start figuring out some stuff. I, that's kind of how I look at that business mentoring is for everybody that you mentor, you're giving them the cheat codes, man. Hey, here's here's what to do to make this work. You don't have to bang your head against that wall all day. Yeah, and I think that's amazing. I mean, it's literally the same thing in a fitness or like a rehab coaching, right? It's yep. like, hey, they, you can try to figure it out. And obviously, it's not working. You're not. You're still having the same problems. Or you can pay somebody to help solve your problem. With Absolutely. Coaching, fitness, wellness, nutrition, rehab, coaching. Right. Yep. So. And guys, I'm not a business coach. I'm. This is completely. Uns- I'm not trying to market myself and sell you on something. Like <laughs> I, I don't coach anybody in the world of business. I'm just giving some advice from someone that's been doing it for a while. Find yourself a coach. Yeah. And it doesn't even matter if you're in the fitness realm or wherever you are. If you're like in business or you're trying to figure out how to solve a problem, find somebody who's already solved that problem and oh, yeah. pay 
them to teach you how to do it. I agree. It's going to save you a ton of time and misery. Yep. Um, for sure. But um, back to back to the gym, right? So you were a CrossFit gym, a pretty successful CrossFit gym. I think uh, I mean, you, I think, were the first one in the area. Yep. And then Iron Will, I think, was shortly after. Yep. Um, and you guys have always been crushing it down in Enfield. You've got – you're heavily involved in, like, annual fundraisers. And you have, uh, like, an annual competition now yep. because of COVID. You know, yeah, the Misfit see, Toys. Like, hopefully, it'll come back this year. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I, I put it out there to the world. It'll come back. But, yeah, so I started um, – so we were Romeo Athletics, right? We were Romeo and that name was spinning in my head and then I went out and I got my CrossFit level one and I, I really I really bought into CrossFit and I really was like this is an amazing opportunity where no one knows me but by just associating my name with CrossFit people are going to search me out mm-hmm. um, and as you said I was the first person in northern Connecticut pretty much other than Pioneer Valley up in what were they up near Northampton Mm. I, I had no one from Hartford to Northampton. I didn't even know Pioneer Valley's been around that long. Yeah, I think they were 08 or 07. So yeah. they were, the, and they might have switched ownerships from there. But it yeah. was Merle McKenzie down in Hartford with CrossFit USA, yep. Pioneer Valley up in Northampton, and I was right in the middle. Yeah. So I had like this giant span of space where people were driving a, an hour, an hour to come find me. And again, I was a, I opened my gym when I was 24. I was a 24 year old kid that had no name. I'm, I've, been a global gym trainer i've worked in corporate fitness but these people are seeking me out because i associated myself with crossfit um so we started the gym crossfit revelation brilliant move at that time right? yeah. Like, yeah dude absolutely so I, I i told the story the other day on a podcast recently um one of my first members uh first email i ever got which i thought was amazing i affiliated with crossfit and the old crossfit website when you looked at it on the right sidebar it said all of the crossfits all it would say the state and then all of the CrossFit's in it. State, all of the CrossFit's in it. And I got an email from there like three days after I affiliated looking to join the gym. Like, oh, this is uh, awesome. And I was amazed. <laughs> I was like, wow, people are actually finding me on this thing. This is awesome. Uh, and then fast forward that to Dece- late December 2009, early January 2010 is when I moved into Seven Moody Road. Um, so that's where I currently still am. The difference is I was in a different bay. So right now I occupy three bays. At that point, I occupied one bay and it was kind of like a half a bay where I had some like offices in front. And because yeah. I wasn't business savvy whatsoever, I was like, fuck it. We'll turn these offices into an equipment storage room. <laughs> so I had like my kettlebells and dumbbells in an, uh, an office Yeah, um, because I, I didn't need offices at that point, right? Yeah. And we grew it from there, man. I mean, I we grew as grassroots as possible. I didn't have enough money to put rubber flooring down, so we had a cement floor. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, and like I like you had you people were doing box jumps on the cement floor and the boxes like sliding away from them. So you had to get a partner to like put your foot on the other side of the box so the box stopped sliding away. Like yeah. shit like that like doesn't happen anymore. Like if yeah. that happened you'd be looking at the liability of someone jumping on a box and it sliding away being like this person's gonna fucking sue me. <laughs> I'm so fucked. Um, like that shit just doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Um, um, different time, different era, different different era of the micro gym where that was acceptable. Yeah, it was acceptable was, to people to walk into my gym and just have a couple weightlifting platforms and a cement floor and not think anything different that's of That's what it. they were looking yeah. for at that time. Yeah. And as things have evolved and grown, like, well, you either evolve and grow with it or you're left behind, yep. right? So. Uh, yeah, the, the CrossFit world for a while, like at the beginning, it was like, yeah, let's be in a dungeon, like garage and like yeah. hardcore. And yeah, it sounds cool. And it, it was cool at the yeah, time, you know? It was. And now, like your place is much nicer than that. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've, we've had some, we've had some success with that. I've, um, 
I was really, really fortunate when I, I moved into Seven Moody Road. My my landlord, he's also the same guy that owns all the buildings. Uh, his yep. name is Dennis. Dennis is the best landlord that anyone could ever ask for. Um, his real business, so he owned a sheetrocking company. It was called mm-hmm. Drywall Specialist. So anything I needed, I was like, hey, Dennis, I really need like three showers. And he's like, I'll build them. <sighs> all right, dude, that sounds great. Nice. Like, and he wouldn't charge yeah. me anything or he built it into my rent for over a few years. So it wasn't like yeah. any upfront cost. And that's the only way I could do stuff where if he was like, sure, I'll build you out three bathrooms. It's 50 grand. I would have been like, so how about we just stick with the toilet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And then, you know, earlier we were talking about how the, the transition away from CrossFit yep. into uh, being just Romeo Athletics again. Well, not just, but, yep. you know, just transitioning the name away and, and, you know, kind of how that came about. We were talking a lot about uh, the experience that people have, right? Yes. So in the typical CrossFit gym, a lot of times what happens? They just call and they're like, oh, I want to sign up. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, this is give me your credit card information. Yep. And that, that's kind of the end of it. You know, every once in a while you'll find someone who takes a little bit more time to to figure out their goals, but you wanted to set up like some really good processes, you were telling me, to really find out people's goals and like how what's meaningful to them and, and really yep. help them uh, accomplish this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about about all that. Yeah, so we have our, our intake system. Everybody that comes into our gym has an intro meeting with a coach. Um, and it, it's typically our client success uh, director. So he, he will sit down with you. You come into a room. It's, um, it's a room similar that Roger and I are sitting into now. It's a nicer room where you're not going to be working out. You're not going to be sweating. We're going to sit down and all we're going to talk about is you. What are your goals? What are you looking to get out of this experience? What have you had success with in the past? What haven't you had success with in the past? What's your why? Why now? Why are you going to stay with this? Why is this time different than other times? Mm-hmm. How can I be your best coach? So we go through all of those questions. And that's a, that's a pretty emotionally charged conversation, right? I mean, sometimes people start crying about why, what's their why and why is it now and why do they need to change their lives? It's a really emotionally charged thing. And then from there, we dive into how can we best help them? Can we best help you with personal training, group classes, a combination of both? Can we best help you with nutritional services? Like what... How can, how can we coach you and deliver the results that you really want? And again, and as Roger and I were talking about earlier, I was, I was talking about workout times and how I used to quantify the success of my own workout <laughs> on beating other people or getting beat. And that was really great. I beat so-and-so by five seconds or they beat me by 10 seconds. I can't believe I did that. I, I've taken that kind of mentality and I've thrown it out the window and being like, I, I don't care about how quickly you can do it. And if you're a member of my gym listening to this and you do care about how well you can do and how fast you can go, that's awesome. Keep doing it. Do your own thing. If that's what fires you up and motivates you, go for it. But for the majority of people out there, what we're really driving is your own personal goals and what physiological and mental adaptations do you need, right? And long-term success, right? So like letting the wheels fall off and having poor movement patterns and doing things that are going to get you hurt to beat somebody by mm-hmm. five seconds, yeah, right, is uh, to, to me way less important than giving you, setting you up in a position where like, hey, you had a really good workout. Yeah, you're a little bit slower, but uh, you're going to be able to do this when you're 80, when you're 90. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think about you from a physical th- therapist standpoint, watching adult males in their 40s, 50s coming in and trying to press a bar over their head. And what that looks like, right? What their thoracic spine is doing, what their shoulders are doing, and then take that and have them repeat it 50 times in a workout as quickly as they can. And they're going to use too much weight than they should be because that's what's on the board and that's what they told me to use. And again, if if this is how your CrossFit gym works, that's cool. That's great. I'm not trying to speak negatively about it. 
but I do believe there's a better way to do it. Yeah, and and I don't think uh, I you know I love CrossFit. I grew up on yep. CrossFit, you know, and and uh, I got a bunch of friends that own CrossFit gyms. So mm-hmm. I think CrossFit is fantastic. It's helped a lot of people. It, like they, it's brought Olympic weightlifting on the map. It's got a lot of people to actually really change their lives. Yes, and like it's changed minds. Yeah, night and day. It's it's done amazing things for me. I wouldn't even be here right now yep. without CrossFit. Right. So I love CrossFit. I think that people are stupid. Sure. Right. Sure. <laughs> you can you can get yourself into. You get you can make decisions that you don't even know that you're making, and you have no idea what the long term repercussions are of yeah. those decisions. In terms of, I can do a pistol if I do this and this with my knee, and I can bang them out pretty quick, and that's great. But now three months later, my knee is really clicky, and I don't know what I did. Well, maybe yeah. that variation of a pistol and going that fast wasn't your best yeah. advice. You know, and uh, I mean, I I taught CrossFit for like it was like seven years or so, right? Yep. And people are just dumb. Like. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Sure. And like they come in, we're like, oh, the RX weights three fifteen today for deadlifts. Yep. I'm gonna but pull it. Yeah. No, you you can like one time and it looks terrible. Maybe we yeah. scale down. Like, no, nah, I'm gonna use three fifteen. Like, what are you paying me for right now? Yeah. Like, you're literally paying for me to tell you what to do. Yep. And then you're not doing it. Like, yeah. And that's that's <laughs> a hard thing because I mean the service that I provide and it's very similar to the service you provide is we provide coaching. Yeah. I don't I don't provide. I'm not selling you my facility. Yeah, I think we have a cool facility, and I like all the toys that I've built into it, but that's not what people are coming in for. They're coming in for coaching, instruction. Yeah. And in the one-on-one setting or the semi-one-on-one setting, it's a lot easier to translate that coaching to them and get that to resonate and like make actionable change mm-hmm. than being like, yeah, I heard you, but this dude over here is using 315, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not a pussy, so I'm going to use 315 too, yeah. and even though I can't stand up for the rest of the week, it'll be fine. Yeah, you're like, I'm like, oh yeah, I crushed that workout though. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't come back for like... Yeah, exactly. Like, like how's, that, how's that do physically for you? What's yeah. that going to do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what's what's the structure of the way that you run the gym? Like, do you have sure. large group, small group, personal training? Like, what is... What sure. So we at? have... We still use the scheduling software of called MindBody. So when you, you schedule yourself in for a class, and we have MindBody capped at so many people per class. And I really started doing that because of COVID, because we mm-hmm. had to be like, hey, we only can have so many people in the gym at a time. You have to register for it. But it's become something that I like, because now I get to see how often you come to the gym, what days of the week do you typically come, what time do you typically come, so I can pull a lot of data from that. Yeah. So yeah. we do a lot of one-on-one stuff. We do some team stuff. We do some small group um, group exercise classes. And sometimes they get up to 10 people, 15 people, maybe here and there. But what I've done a lot with the movement patterns, again, are there's, there's certain movements that don't deliver the adaptations that you're looking for. Or even if they do, you don't have to put yourself at the risk, like that risk versus reward. Yeah, what do I huge. need? I, I take myself, for example. What do I need to do a heavy, repetitive snatch a barbell snatch like what do i need to snatch 185 10 times for in a workout as quickly as i can where i can pick (laughs) a different movement that's not going to put my shoulders in these crazy positions yeah or my back pulling off the ground and i can curtail that to just giving you the results you want without the danger you want yeah that's that's kind of and that's the 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 method that we've somewhat gone with uh, i think that's that's huge right because one most people don't have any business snatching they want to because it's sexy and everybody else is doing it but like how i mean you competitively olympic Mm -hmm. weightlift for a long time like how much time behind the scenes goes into like getting the technique right like it's almost nauseating how much time it has to go into the work like i mean um so my coach was Gary Valentine, who was a competitive weightlifter, and his coach was Joe Mills. And Joe Mills is a famous American weightlifting coach. Um, and Joe used to say, it takes five years to learn how to lift and five more to see where your potential is. So give me 10 years of Olympic weightlifting, and we'll really see how good you can get. 
And yeah. Like, and that's even a condensed thing because you look at overseas and stuff and they start when they're kids. So now let's take someone that's never done this movement, ever, <laughs> yeah. ever. But you, you've seen it on and the Olympics. Their shoulders can't move. And yeah, you can't put your hand over your head. Yeah, you can't squat. Yep, you can't do any of these things. <laughs> but I saw someone do it on the Olympics, and it looks it looks really fucking cool. And I thought that was amazing, yeah. so I'm going to do it today. And, and that's where you, you just got to pick some safer routes for people. And I used yeah. to have a lot of people that, and I'm sure you used to have it as well, that would walk into your gym and be like, you know, I saw the CrossFit Games on ESPN, and I think I'm going to go to the CrossFit Games next year. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, you are. Oh, okay. So let's let's just talk about where you've been, what you've been doing. But that's why I really enjoy those intro meetings now because you can really kind of curtail expectations. And what what are we going to be doing? What is my best value to give you? Because you're paying me to give you results. So let's yeah. let's figure out how to get you those results. Yeah, no, absolutely. We have uh, a similar conversation with everybody before they ever even come in, right? Because we want to make sure that one, like, we're even the best place to help you. Sure. Let's make sure that we can even help you because yep. if you're. If we're not on the same wavelength, uh, then you're not going to do well with us. Sure. And I want to send you somewhere that you you are going to Absolutely. Well. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just thinking about that. <laughs> so many times. I, I think I'm going to go to CrossFit Games next year. Sure. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to come in and be in, like, I haven't exercised in five years. I had a torn ACL like 10 years ago that I never did my PT with. I had this. I got that. But I used to be a really good athlete, and I think I'm going to do this. And you're like... That really even shouldn't be in the, like a goal of yours. I mean, it's fine that it is, and we can get you into some local stuff and try to figure yeah. this out. But let's work on yeah. everything else before we get there. Like, have you ever done CrossFit before? No. Oh, okay. No, yeah. I think next year I'm going to walk in. But it looks MLB really fucking easy. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's the hard part. When you watch Olympic weightlifting, you watch the CrossFit Games on TV, it doesn't look hard. Yeah. Right? You watch it, and you're like, oh, they're just pushing a sled. What's so hard about that? I can push a sled. Yeah, go push this and see what that feels like. Dude, yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Cool, man. So, I, I don't know. I think like that's that's pretty good. I really just wanted to find out about like where you are, like sure. where you've been, how you got to where you are. Is, yeah. I mean, is there anything that, uh, that's pushed on your brain that you want to share? The only thing that I would say is anybody that's out there looking – I mean, and most of you, I'm assuming most of your listeners – are are people that are going to seek out coaching. But yeah. it doesn't matter if you're the individual that is looking for fitness, the individual looking for nutrition, the individual looking for physical therapy, or you're a business owner and you're looking to progress your business. The biggest piece of advice I can give you is find a knowledgeable mentor in whatever area it might be. Yes. And that would be my takeaway for anybody. Find someone that's smarter than you, and if they're not smarter than you, they have more experience than you, they can guide you and help yeah. you out. Do a little bit of vetting too. Right? Yes. Don't just like go with the first person that you see because yep. you can walk into any number of, we'll just say physical therapy offices and uh, they're not going to know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, oh, they sure. have a doctorate. Like they went to PT school. They know what they're talking about. Yep. No. I honestly believe that 85, maybe 90% of physical therapy is completely useless if not harmful really interesting oh, oh yeah dude that's why that's why i left the the model there. what would you think in your opinion the most commonly used pt practice that delivers no benefit is oh god like uh i don't even know where to start i'm, okay. I'm flipping the whole podcast uh, around yeah, guys dude. now i'm interviewing roger all right so uh <laughs> if we think about just modalities sure right we were talking about like uh before we started the podcast like hot new things trends yep. fad diets dry needling okay I do dry needling. I think it can be useful. Okay. However, widely overutilized. Okay. I took the course because I thought it was bullshit, and I wanted to say I took the course. I still think it's bullshit. Sure. I took the course. What I found out was there's just so many clinicians that don't have a system 
of evaluating and treatment. It's like a, I call it the pressing guest diagnosis. They're like, okay. oh, it hurts on my knee, and they start poking around. Like, it hurts here. Like, we're going to put some needles in, and they don't really know what's going on. Cupping, uh, massage, scraping, okay, right? Like, all of those things, dry needling, manipulations, or what chiropractors would call adjustments. Sure. All those things, they work on the same uh, like methodology, it's a neurological downregulation of the way that the brain is perceiving a problem. Interesting. Do they all have? Yeah. So it'll give you temporary results. It usually feels good. Sure. All of them. And then what happens with almost all those? It comes right. So what down. was that causation that was causing that yeah. knee pain? That yeah, you you relieve some of the muscle buildup and tension around it. But yeah, what caused that muscle tension, that muscle buildup, and that's what you're attacking? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong. I think. Those things all have a time and a place. I just think they're widely overutilized. Like, there's a lot of people that come here that don't even know we do dry needling. Really? Yeah. They're like, you do that? You're yeah, like, I've I had, can if you need it, but it's not something that I'm like, going to rely on. Yeah. Like, I'll have people that come in. They're like, yeah, I went to someone, uh, this local person, and I just got, uh, I got some dry needling done. I'm like, oh, was it helpful? And they're like, oh, I mean, I think so. Anytime somebody says, sure. I think so, the answer is no. Sure. Right? Because you're like, I think it's working. And I'm like, yeah. I, think, I mean, was it, was it helpful for you? And they're like, yeah, maybe. I'm like, well, if it's something you want done, like, you know, I, I, we do dry needling. I'm like, oh, you do? And I yeah. was like, yeah, I just didn't use it because it's not the right medicine for yep. you right I can now. poke you and prod you with some needles and get some things to twitch really yeah. hard and really fast. But if yeah, you want yeah. that lasting outcome... Yeah. And again, I'm not the person to be preaching anything. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> no, I, I'll talk about this myself forever because people go and they get scraping and they get massage and they get their back racked. And it just, it's, it's, just, it's a symptom modulation. Sure. It would be very useful. But if your solution to your Achilles pain is to put needles in it, you probably have some disorganized collagen. You probably need some progressive overloading over time in a linear format. Sure. Yeah. I love it, man. Right? I love it. If things aren't making sense and you have a, a tendonitis in both elbows and you're getting ice and you're doing like massage and all this shit you probably have a neck issue because it doesn't make sense that you're interesting there's that but that's what i love about what you guys do and because i'm not i'm not i'm oh, not yeah. a pt like i i am a strength and conditioning coach i have my cscs and that's like what i do is strength and conditioning and business stuff yeah talking to a pt and being like hey this tendonitis is probably a neck thing that's super interesting oh, dude, to me we can go we can go into the weeds <laughs> i'll talk about that all day that's one thing that uh we catch so many spine things, spine-related okay. things, that people go other places for their hip, their knee, their ankle, their pain in their thigh, their groin. They're like, it's your back. That's why it's not getting better because these fucking jamokes don't know what they're doing. Sure. And they're just treating the symptom because they're pressing guessing and they don't have a solid understanding of how the body works as a system. Yeah. Spine care, I think, is the number one underserved, like – thing in physical therapy because a lot of it one there's different ranges uh there's different schools of thought and a lot of them don't make any sense and okay. people in my profession just want to bicker okay and like well you know you're stupid you're wrong no you're stupid you're wrong like, and if how you about, bicker the loudest you're gonna get the most attention and yeah. hopefully you get the most business how about we realize that everybody and all the different schools of thinking have some validity and we take what works from each of them and combine them and sounds like a overall. smart idea yeah right <laughs> uh, but then there's people they just don't know right sure. like we see people all the time and it's not always very clear cut you have to have a very solid clinical understanding of these things and most people don't because gotcha. there's a big push for uh in physical therapy for things to just be general they're like well you can't tell if something's moving and you can't really target like specific areas and your testing and your treatments aren't reliable and they're like it doesn't matter what you do pain yep. science biopsychosocial patients it doesn't matter just get them to move and tell them that it's in their head yeah or like that it's okay like we see all those generalized treatments and that's when people have been in the system for years and they haven't gotten better like we get people better that have that's had tough, back pain that's for tough. 20 years 20 i mean 
so I, I being a weightlifter for forever, I have back pain that flares up here and there when I fuck something up. And yeah. this is like just the short amount of time that I get back pain for is unbearable. Where you're yeah. like, this is horrific. Yeah. I couldn't imagine suffering with something like that for 20 years, going to professionals for help. And then still, as yeah. you're saying, 20 years later, they're still walking in your doors and being like, Dude, you got to fix this. Yeah. People are very skeptical by the time they come to us typically because they've been to a lot of other places. Sure. Right? Uh, like I was just reading somebody the other day for uh, – well, it was last week for the first visit. This week's her second visit. Okay. Yesterday. Today's Wednesday. Yeah, yesterday. I never know uh, what day of the week yeah, it is. That's in, another uh, thing with small visits. She's like – she comes in. She's had this terrible neck and jaw, shoulder pain, and she's seen everybody. She had Botox injections, neurologists, everything. Sure. Trying to get like TMJ Botox thing to get yeah, it to die but down. But then it also like was all over the back of her neck that she got Botox, and it was really? terrible. Like, all kinds of stuff. We treated her one time, gave her some information on like what to do to take care of herself, and she came in and she's like, "Things are much better. I think it's because I was sleeping better. It might have been the drinks that I had that helped me sleep better." I'm like, "Well, that's not the way it works when you're <laughs> drinking and sleeping. It causes your sleep to be worse." Might have been like, that Tylenol PM yeah, or that Ambien that made me like that's but not a good route to go on. It's so hard for people to realize like, hey, it actually is this simple sure. as long as you. All, you just have to be working with all the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. You know what I mean? And as you said, you're, you're taking a broad approach, right? You're, you're taking the best practices from all of these different modalities and being like, this works for here, this works for here, this works for here, and how do I utilize it? It's pattern recognition too, right? That's why when I got out of school, I was like, I don't know how to fucking help anybody. I might know how to not hurt somebody, but I'm not even certain about that. So I sure. actively sought out you know, three years of mentorship out in, in Woburn and Boston. I did two fellowships and a residency. One of the fellowships wasn't accredited by the APT. Really? So, so it was just on you. That yeah. was there was nothing that you're getting. Yeah, but it's because, but you're just the knowledge you gained from it. Yeah, from from some guy from Norway. Cool, right? That learned it in Germany. So it's okay. like not even an American way of thinking. Uh, and it makes a lot of sense because the APTA, I don't want to go too long on this podcast sure. about me, but like the APTA cares about academia and reading literature, not treating patients. Interesting. Right? So I got two years of one-on-one mentorship from someone that's been doing this longer than I've been alive, that's awesome. highly specialized in spine care, treating patients one-on-one with me side by side. That's amazing. Teaching me how to talk to people, how to understand, how to pick up like patterns, how to present things in ways that people understand and make sense. And it's not like when people come in here, they leave understanding what's going on. That's like cool. you say, like, hey, I, my back tweaks when I lift every once in a while. Like, yep. Do you know why though? Besides like saying I fucked sure. something up. Like, yeah, no. What are the forces? So we educate Yeah, what's going on? on? Yeah, what what uh, what are you causing to make that happen? Yeah, I'll be have... interesting when uh, you, if you have minutes to look at my shoulder afterwards and I'll oh, dive yeah. into that and being like, so for like six months, I couldn't flex my tricep, chest or lat. What happened to my neck to make that happen? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's so funny because a lot of times that's the case. And our, our uh, my manager and our uh, receptionist, right, Jess and Becca, they're so good at this stuff now. They're better than half the PTs are. They're like, that's hey, awesome. this person's coming in. They've got they you know X, Y, and Z, but it's coming for their neck. It looks like this. Yeah, need to pay you more money. Very cool, man. That's awesome. I love it, dude. I love yeah. hearing more about what you do specifically and like the difference of how. And I'm assuming coming after that two year fellowship with working out in uh, the Wubernet area. Coming back here and the concept of going into a clinical place was probably just not uh, something yeah. that you'd want well, to do. I was working full-time in Springfield downtown while doing that. So oh, I was wow. Working full-time. You're doing it's, both there. Yeah, and then I was going out to Woburn uh, for like an additional 10, 12 hours a week, not including travel time. Yeah. Um, and then also doing like Grand Rouse Journal Clubs and going out to Boston University uh, for one whole weekend a month for three three 
aggregate years because I actually overlapped those programs. Wow. I did the residency. Good for you, man. You hustled hard. Yeah, and I started one fellowship halfway through that first residency, and then I started the second fellowship. Gotcha. After that, you're just gonna like first. piggy them up, piggyback, yeah. piggyback, and so while like you're just, working full time one place, just trying to probably pay student loans back or whatever else you're doing, and then doing all this other shit yeah. at the same time. Good for yeah. you, man. That's awesome. Thanks, man. So we're gonna end this now. Cool. Let's did press we, the oh, big red button. You know button. what? Actually. Uh, Contact information. Yeah. How do people so, get a hold of you? 100%. If you guys are looking to find me, I my physical location is in Enfield, Connecticut. I run a facility called Romeo Athletics. Um, if you want to find me online, it's romeoathletics.fitness. That's our website. You can schedule intro sessions from there. You want to find me on the Instagrams or the Facebooks, um, you can find me at Romeo Athletics. If you're looking to find me out personally, I believe, so this is bad. I don't even know. It's, I think it's romeo.aj. It's my last <laughs> <think> name so. <laughs> and then my my initials. But go f- check me out, guys. Uh, as Roger said, we got a bunch of charity events. I'm wearing a shirt right now. It's called Wade's Army. Yeah. We're in the middle of raising money for neuroblastoma. So if you're not familiar with what neuroblastoma is, it's a pediatric cancer. Um, it's pretty vicious. I've participated in this group for the last four to five years, and we try to raise money every year for them. And then in December, um, maybe maybe come down uh, for the Misfit Toys. It's the first Saturday of December. We always have the first Saturday of December. It's a toy drive. So I, I label it as a, com- a competition, but what it really is in its essence <laughs> yep. is a toy drive. I require everybody that shows up to bring a new unwrapped toy. And honestly, dude, I look back over the years, we've donated tens of thousands of dollars worth of toys from that oh, event. Yeah. It's amazing. You guys have a huge um, dumpster out there. I guess yeah, every, every year. year. Uh, USA Hauling and Recycling is always one of our sponsors, and they like – they. Um, they, they they made this dumpster for us that's like graphicked out and it looks like really really pretty and it's like a really nice thing. Yeah. So we would fill that dumpster up and then um we'd ha- literally we used to have a small school bus come by that the local PD owned and we'd fill the school bus up with toys and then yeah. they would bring it to wherever we we're dropping them off, unload the toys. So if you're looking to do something good, you want to check out a gym, check out us uh, for the Misfit Toys as long as COVID allows it to happen. Who knows? Yeah, except bring a toy. If you want to come and get a workout in, register for the event itself. If you don't, that's cool too. That's yeah. up to you. But thank you, Roger, for having me on. I really appreciate it. For sure. I have a couple last-minute yeah. questions. Throw them at me. Uh, got anything wh- you want. What's your favorite book? Or, or one book you think everybody should read? One book I think everybody should read. That's a tough question. There's a lot of really good books out there. Let's see. A book that I read recently, The Alchemist. I thought that was a great oh, book. That's good. By uh, uh, Paulo. Yes. Yeah. However you say his name. Yep. And yeah. that's just kind of um, following your dream, right? Following yeah. what you've always wanted to do, giving credit to that. So like a personal book, that one's great. If you're looking like business book, I, I really like the book Traction. Um, <laughs> that's a great book. Yep. It's a great business book. Roger and I were talking about it before. It has a lot of business things to it that I like. By uh, um, Gino Wickman. Yes. Yeah. And I, I'm an avid reader, guys. I, I read every morning and I am always listening to a book. So I'm always reading and I'm listening to two separate books. I'm always reading two things at once. <laughs> but I, I think it's huge for people. I think if you're really looking for a way to better yourself and expand your knowledge base, there's nothing easier than a book. Um, and then just and put it out there on the interwebs. Hey, anybody got a good book for X, Y, and Z? You will get one million comments oh, and have yeah. an endless reading, reading list right there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so then high bar or low bar back squat? Depends on what I'm training for. <laughs> currently. So currently, uh, so currently, I'm doing more Hatfield squats. So if you're familiar oh, with the Hatfield yeah. squat, you're using safety squat bar and handles in front of you. What I like with Hatfield squats is that I can overload the eccentric so I can go super, super heavy, um, get all those adaptations, and then just help myself up. Yeah. No problem. What's it, your heaviest Hatfield squat? 
like six fifty for a double. Um, and just walking that out is just like I literally feel like I got shorter. Uh, <laughs> you literally you just take a step back and you're like, I think my spine just compressed a little. <laughs> um, if I'm training for Olympic weightlifting, typically it's a high bar. If I'm just squatting to squat because I this is what I've done the last three years, four years because I'm just trying to be strong and move and like squatting, I'll squat low bar. Um, toes forward, uh, wider stance, and I won't squat quite to the same depth because I feel like it puts less pressure on a lot of different places. Yeah. What's one exercise you'll never do again? Never do again. Probably ring handstand push-ups. <laughs> I got no need for them. <laughs> oh, man. I think that's a great way to end this. There you go. That's it. Perfect. No more ring handstand push-ups. Never again. Have a great one, guys. Thanks for listening. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to say thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it to your story on Instagram and tagging at MoveAthleticsPT so we can repost it. And to stay up on all the latest from me, make sure that you follow at MoveAthleticsPT on Instagram and Facebook and then subscribe to the Move Athletics newsletter at www.MoveAthleticsPT.com. All right, guys. Catch you next episode.